part mecha, part man, Ava's defend the world from angels, it's Neon Genesis Evangelion. Welcome back to the Monsters vs. Men podcast. This is the bargain basement of the Monster Podcasting Airwaves. This week, as we try to stay alive, we're discussing episodes 1 through 13 of Neon Genesis Evangelion. Is it Evangelion or Evangelion, Alex? I've always said Evangelion. 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 Good lord. Now now I can't even get it out. Now you've got me going. No, but I I always say Neon Genesis Evangelion. Gellion. Yeah, Genesis Evangelion. <laughs> Gellion. Yeah. Because it's an Eva. Uh, it's an Eva. So Evangelion. Well, it is Eva, but in it's the. It's not new- Evangelion. It's like, you know, no, your, your friend Evan. But you're right. You're right. But in the uh, new Netflix dub, which is like the VSI Los Angeles dub um, that they're using for the Netflix one, they say Ava, if you noticed, Alex, when they're talking about the Avas. And I always called them Evas, I think. Maybe they are but Evas, you're right. They are Avas here. But it is like... Evangelion. Oh my Evangelion. gosh, I can't get over this. It, it, <laughs> it, it stems from the word evangelical, right? Evangelion. So that's... <laughs> now is <laughs> it like Evangelion? Brain and I can't... <laughs> Yeah, now I have to avoid this word for the rest of the episode because I'm just going to get hung up on it every time I say it. <laughs> well, this week we are watching the first 13 episodes. We, this is kind of our Evangelion series, Alex. We're going to watch the entire series uh, broken down into two parts, and then we'll watch the end of Evangelion. Now, there is a movie I was going to ask you about, Death and Rebirth. Is that is that the movie? So I'm trying to remember... Uh, for the most part, Death and Rebirth the series. is almost entirely yeah. a recap. But if I remember right, and I could be wrong, I'll look it up afterwards, and I'll have an actually I'll have an answer for everybody next week. But most people probably <laughs> already know. If I remember right, it's got some new content yeah. at the end of it. Well, we're not watching that one. <laughs> yeah, I might just because of the way I am, um, but. We won't probably won't no, go into we'll go into e- end of Evangelion, um, which I don't know if I've ever seen. Uh, we'll talk about. I've seen this. Oh, I've seen this really? before the series. I don't think I've ever seen end of Evangelion. To be honest, I'll have to talk to you after after we record and see what you remember. Yeah. <laughs> what you remember the ending is because then that will well, tell I me kn- what you have and haven't seen. I remember a very confusing final episode. That's what I remember. Oh, well, the last two are yeah. something. Uh, next we'll talk week, about yeah. that next week. Uh, and then we'll watch the Rebuild series. We're going to watch one and 1.0 and 2.0 together uh, and do one episode there, followed by 3.0 and 3.0 plus 1.0. <laughs> yes. Not to confuse yes. anybody, but that's that's what we're doing. Well, it's all right. The DVD releases are 1.11, right, 2.22. Exactly. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, those are going to be on Amazon here at the beginning of August. I think it's August 12th, maybe. Um, and yeah. so we'll we'll cover those as they are released here on, on Amazon Prime. So 
I'm excited for this little mini series here because it's been a while since I've watched Evangelion. You want to get into it? Yeah, let's, right, let's do, do it. it. We've both watched Neon Genesis Evangelion before, but not for a while and not since our watching of Hideaki Anno's Shin Godzilla. Like that film, Neon Genesis Evangelion has its mega fans and its detractors. When did you first watch this series, Alex? And are you a stan or an anti-fan? So it's really it's really complex for me because A, it's been a long time since I've seen it, like about eight mm-hmm. years. And when I watched it, I knew about all the fervor. Like it had been so hyped up for me. Like there's everyone, you know, this is this is Guillermo de Toro's inspiration for a lot of the stuff he did in Pacific mm-hmm. Rim. Like, so there's a lot of build up for this thing. And honestly, back then, I liked it. The ending kind of bothered me but i kind of liked it um a lot of ways it didn't really meet a lot of my expectations so i always perceived the show as i liked it but i always thought it was overrated i don't know if that's quite my opinion anymore we're not done yet but i do feel stronger about these first 13 episodes and i remember feeling about the show early Mm -hmm. on my lens this time around has definitely shifted like i'm expecting less action to happen i'm expecting less from the monsters which i remember being disappointed about when i first watched Mm this um and i'm watching shinji really close this time around i've seen a lot about a lot of the themes and i'm paying especially close to shinji for a lot of those reasons and i i feel like i really like what these first 13 episodes have presented for me uh and and i feel like They've already taken this show from four episodes or so to like, so it went from this introspective examination of a child with depression and who has been neglected to a more lighthearted adventure with Shinji meeting friends into the series of like, it's like leading into this mysterious sci-fi geopolitical thriller Mm -hmm. with all (laughs) these interesting ideas and then it's also kind of trending right now back to Shinji and what could lead to him falling down a depression territory. And even though like his and his entire story is never left behind, yeah. it is because I think it's present in every episode mm-hmm. uh, in some form or another trying to tell us Shinji's state of mind. I do like that it's not always at the f- forefront, but what about you? Like, how are you feeling about it so far? I, yeah, I'm feeling pretty good, <laughs> uh, honestly. So it had been such a long time since I dipped my toes into Evangelion that I had to ask my brother, who he definitely has a better memory than me. I had to ask him when we first watched this show. And according to him, we watched this show when I was a junior in high school. So that would he would have been an eighth grader which I just think is funny looking back on it. <laughs> uh, but I would have been, you know, 16, probably turning 17, which made sense. I was moving from like, I was moving from Indianapolis to Louisville, Kentucky. I probably like really connected with the show and, and these themes, you know, just, just hmm. I would imagine at the time we, and I, I think we actually rented the DVDs. <laughs> I don't know if there was that blockbuster, yeah, yeah. but like, yeah, we rented the DVDs, and then my brother bought what I think was a bootleg version of the series. And we watched it at least one more time, probably multiple times. But it's been so long, uh, and I haven't seen any of the Rebuild series, that honestly, I didn't remember any of the plot 
of this show. Like really the plot, I just didn't remember. Um, yeah. But I, I did like it at the time. Um, and I've been enjoying the series this time around just as much, I think. Uh, and we'll get into critiques here uh, and probably the major critiques of the series next time when we finish the show. But rewatching this time, I was just impressed about how big an impact this had made on my younger self. <laughs> because without recalling any of the specifics of the plot, as I said, rewatching this immediately evoked memories of specific emotions that had been experienced in my earlier viewings, which is interesting, right? Um, it's like yeah. that tone. There's a certain tone um, that's unique to this show that I think that tone even inspired shows like SSSS, Dinazenon, and, and Gridman, right? Um, definitely. There has to be that inspiration there as far as the tone is concerned. Um, I just remember those emotions I felt while watching this, and I just forgot what an impact this series had made. But I know there are some criticisms of this show, and I was watching yes. it with a slightly different lens this time, knowing that we're talking about it on the podcast. What critiques do you have uh, for these first 13 episodes. So I don't have currently a lot of critiques. Mm -hmm. I would say that most of my critiques are more about the changes of tone. Um, but even then I'm not having a lot of a problem, but I could see it being a big problem for somebody else. You know, like, like I said earlier, like this show is going between a lot of different feels and it feels like sometimes Shinji's story is put in the background, yeah. even though I actually don't agree with that, actually, uh, when I'm watching it. But it is, it's reduced a little bit, but I feel like it's still thoroughly carrying along. Yeah. And anytime he's doing anything on screen, it feels to me like it has purpose. Mm -hmm. um, but I could see people being put off like, you know, the first four episodes are really heavy. They're pretty yeah. heavy. And then the, when the show goes lighthearted, especially when Asuka joins and it feels like, you know, go team. Mm -hmm. I could see people being like, this isn't quite the show that I signed up for. Or they could be waffling to, this is the show that I wanted. Yeah. <laughs> right? The, these Avas going up in these big epic battles with the angels and it's, these big yeah. bombastic actions. It's really interesting. Right? I think the show is playing with our expectations there almost, right? It it's is. like getting to this point where it starts to feel like, all right, I know the formula here. I know this episode formula of this type of show. We're going to mess with that a little bit, right? That's what <laughs> yes. it seems to be doing to me, which I could see it being a critique of some people, but I don't know if that critique stands up well because I think the show knows what it's doing. Yeah. Um, I agree. This is one of those series and it could be because I know how much people have talked about this and gone over it. But for me right now, this series is feeling as purposeful in everything that it does as something like the shining, mm. right? I actually don't hold the shining up to be this beacon of like the be all end all. Uh -huh. I actually think it's sequel is actually better, but I can't argue that every detail in The Shining is done purposely. Hmm. Every single thing in there is just so fascinating. Like from the backgrounds to just yeah, the location, like, uh, the camera work. Like it's just everything is purposeful. And I feel the same way about this. Hmm. I feel like every this this is a masterclass in someone executing their vision, I feel like so far. Mm -hmm. And I I feel like everything is on purpose, whether that's the tone shift or everything else. 
But I do want to comment on something that a lot of people have had issue with. And I think I might surprise some people with my comments on it. A lot of people have an issue with the sexuality that's on display here because it involves, uh, it involves adults and it does involve kids. Mm -hmm. And I think most people would think I'm going to go one way or I'm kind of going to swerve the other way. Surprisingly, I don't really have a problem with it. Mm. Um, It's almost all the sexuality. And that's because almost all of the sexuality is from the perspective of a super awkward, traumatized, prepubescent, maybe pubescent boy (laughs) where sexuality completely makes him uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. But he is also, well, a prepubescent boy. So he's going to be perceiving these things. He's going to be able to not help, but look at these things, which as the audience, we can't help it either. Right. And I think it's an interesting exploration that can only be done in a way that for me, at least for me, the only way that I think I'd be okay with it. And again, I know it makes people uncomfortable is in a stylized animation like this Mm. because it's not overly graphic. Yeah. It's not exploiting anyone. I don't feel like it's exploiting it. It was. It's yeah. not exploiting anyone real, right? It's not like cuties on Netflix where it's just a complete abomination. Like I don't care what message you have. You uh-huh. should never put kids in this position, right? right. And it's not real realistic, so at all. So it's not coming across any of these hard lines in the sand that I have for depictions of this type of thing. Mm-hmm. The fact that it's almost always has meaning also means something to me too and that's not to say that there's no fan service there there probably is but honestly for me right now i feel like all of it has meaning and because these are fictional characters in a style and from a perspective of a character and it's not really graphic Mm. because it's it's not like i I know that we get like kind of teases like uh of like nudity in a way but for me it doesn't feel very graphic. It's actually the only times that it's ever really graphic. I think is like Misato yeah. doing things, right. but it's that also has some other connotations to it. Mm-hmm. But I think it's interesting, actually, in a <laughs> lot of ways. And so I'm gonna like. It's kind of. I don't think people expect me to say that. <laughs> I I think it's okay. Um, I think one thing that you're trying to say here. Another thing that you're trying to say is like the audience of this show is not like for <laughs> perverted adults wanting to watch underage kids. Like, yes, <laughs> um, exactly. It's for, you know, teenage kids, you know, like who are struggling, not struggling, who are exploring some of these issues of sexuality. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And, and I, I understand the critiques and there, there are some moments of obvious fan service. It's funny, even like the first episode preview uh, at the end, you know, where it's previewing episode two, it talks about sticking around for more fan service. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't know. And that. I'm like, wow, that's, that's interesting how it's used. Yeah. It's like stick around for more fan service. I'm like, that's, well, that's, that's interesting because there's no fan service in the first episode, right? Right, right. And so it's really, it's really strange. It's like, um, and who knows, like how those, or maybe it's a, is it? I don't, I don't is know. It po- uh, is it possible that that's a wink and a nod it, from Hideaki Anno playing on people's expectations? Well, that's what I, 
that's it kind of made me like personally, I was like, oh, that's interesting that they just kind of acknowledge this, you know, like and just threw it out there, like, yeah, stick around, like for more fan service. It is interesting to me. I, you know, here's the thing. I told you I watched it when I was 16 years old. I don't remember this being like super sexual in my past viewings. And I think I definitely would have <laughs> when I was 16 years <laughs> old. But uh, there definitely is that sexuality component this time around. And it's a weird situation because, you know, <laughs> I don't think we can take lightly when something deals with the complexities of adolescent sexuality, right? Definitely. We can't take that lightly. It shouldn't be exploitative by any means. Um, and I think this show rides that line, but that's kind of the nature of this exploration, right? Um, yes. I think a good barometer might be to ask, is the way the sexuality is presented in this show appealing to lust just for like, again, attracting people with that fan service? Or does it question, prod, make us uncomfortable in a way that allows us to think through these issues or feel in the way that a prepubescent boy might feel in these situations, which is kind mm -hmm. of uncomfortable, right? Um, and I think we get both. I, I do think there are situations, for example, there's a situation where they all have to get naked for a test. It's like, is that really necessary? Probably not, right? Um, there's a couple other situations that you're like, ah, yeah, that may not be necessary. That's kind of borderline. But there are other situations like where Shinji thinks Asuka is coming on to him and, you know, it's a very awkward sort of situation. Yes. It would just be an awkward situation for Shinji. Like, I feel as awkward as Shinji does, does in that situation. Um, it's not really like appealing to my sensibilities <laughs> it's more just this I, I feel really awkward right now because this is a very awkward situation for shinji right yeah um yeah and so i think it is this fine line and i'm curious to see if the rest of it as because i know we're, we're heading into we're going to get even more serious here i think in the next 13 episodes <laughs> And so I'm curious how the next 13 episodes handles this. And I'm curious how the rebuild film handles this, because I know this has been a point of criticism. So I wonder if Anno revises any of this in the rebuild films. I'm, I'm curious about that. Um, but yeah, I mean, a few other critiques. I think you mentioned one earlier, actually. Wait, yeah, Eric, yeah, go ahead. I just had a revelation. Yeah. Do you know what the main source of the... Um, I'm now that I'm I'm just like realizing it. The main source of the fan service in the second episode is no. What was it? It's not really what we would typically expect for fan service because it's Shinji being naked with the beer can scenario. Oh yeah, <laughs> and it's like really hilarious, <laughs> and it's not actually what we would normally expect for <laughs> no what you would call that. No, no, no. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. Um, yeah. The idea of fan service. I didn't mean to derail no, you. No, 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 no. <laughs> it, it, it is an interesting concept. I didn't feel, myself, I didn't feel like super uncomfortable either watching this. 
Um, I didn't either. That's the thing is like I'm trying to see it because I know that that's a point of contention for a lot of people, especially some stuff that happens in the next our next episode. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. But but I uh, well maybe we'll I, have more contention next week. We'll we'll see. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah. I it hasn't been too egregious for me up until this point. But yes. a, another critique uh, to move on from that issue um, is the angel design. I just think most of the angels are pretty forgettable. Uh, there's a reason that we talk about the Avas. And whenever you think about Evangelion, you think about the Avas and not the angels. They mostly mm-hmm. are forgettable. But to me, this critique isn't huge because I think that's uh, okay. Like I think it puts more emphasis on the Avas and the mystery surrounding the angel appearance rather than like, oh, cool. Look at this awesome uh, angel design. They're all similar in this sort of mysterious otherworldly type of way that gets us more to think about their function rather than their design, which is fine. That's true. That's a good point. Right. Uh, And I don't know if we talked about this one, but like you mentioned it and I don't know if it's a critique or not, but it certainly feels episodic right after the first couple of episodes but I think that's on purpose, and I think it's subverting our expectations. Did you get into the flow of these episodes? Um, and what was most appealing about the story to you so far? Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of mentioned it earlier, but the tonal shifts of the episodes, I think, could feel jarring to some people, but I feel like they actually have this really great flow. And I actually don't know if these are episodic for me. I could see I could see the I, I see what you're meaning. And I can actually see people totally agreeing with you. Cause you know, we do get like, I don't know if we almost ever, except for the first two episodes have an angel bridge right. from one episode to the next. Uh, I, I could be wrong about a couple episodes, but for the most part, it's a monster. It's one angel per episode. Uh, most episodes. Yeah. I think it works because we get Shinji's story mm-hmm. bridging all these moments. Like from the beginning, we get, Shinji's four episode arc of him just being really sad to him kind of finally having a home because he's no longer unstable. Like we see him in the Ava, he finally gets control and it's because he finally has what is, I would almost say like a family. He has a support system. He has friends. He has all these things that are like boosting his confidence. You know, he's got, he has this support system that he's clearly never had and it scarred him pretty terribly and the interesting thing is that shinji things seems to be getting a lot better especially in those episodes that i meant mentioned that are like action adventure almost like they almost don't feel like they have as much they do in the action sequences but the episodes overall don't feel like they quite have as much in terms of their stakes mm-hmm. and then when uh asuke uh, i'm already saying it wrong asuke yeah it's fine uh, asuke uh when she comes in it, she adds this element of uncertainty for him, and she definitely amps up the prepubescent levels for him because she's like this completely unappealing personality that he is attracted to, which is actually the same from him and Masato, I would say, a little bit. But there, there continues to be like this little element of uncertainty that we get until episode 12 with Shinji. And when episode 12 hits, we see something that is pretty, I felt like ominous. I think maybe a lot of people watching this may not have felt this way, but when we see Shinji who has had like, he's had this happiness Mm -hmm. all around him for about 
six, seven episodes. Uh, six episodes. It feels like they, he after he decided not to get off that train, he kind of accepted like happiness into his life yeah. for a change. And we see that with what I really like about the show is that Shinji's always happy at the dinner table. Yeah. Right? When the dinner table is happening and there's people around, he seems to be really happy uh-huh. until like, you know, if there's a big group, he does seem uncomfortable. And I think even Masato is a little uncomfortable as well. Mm-hmm. But episode 12 is when he finally gets that praise from his dad, who has completely ignored him, right? And he finally gets this approval that he interprets as his entire reasoning for existence. And he is now, because he has gotten this approval from someone he's like always wanted this approval from, mm. and not everyone around him, it's kind of, he's misplaced his entire existence on this person who has failed him in every turn of his life. And so, and only used him for his own ends. Not the wisest move. (laughs) No, not the wisest move. And we even see that when he admits this to Misato for the reason why he pilots an Eva Mm -hmm. is that that's his reason is his dad. Yeah. And seeking his dad's approval, which we see her disapproval in that moment. Where she just doesn't react. Yeah. And I, I know I'm talking a lot about Shinji, but there's a lot there. Yeah. And people always meme this character because he's so whiny. He's, he's, they say so whiny, but he's not that whiny in these first 13 episodes. Let's be real. He's upset and depressed in the first four. Yeah. But yeah, I don't, it's not that bad. I, yeah. I don't <laughs> see that. Like, I don't see him being the super whiny character. Uh, he seems to be a neglected character who yes. is trying to figure out his way in life. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I understand why that might, you know, Alex, let's just go ahead and say it. The, the people that complain about uh, him being a whiner are the ones that whine the most. <laughs> oh, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I like but it. Seriously, uh, no, yeah, but seriously, yeah, uh, no. But I I do think really quick though that I've talked a lot about Shinji, but all the other characters have these really fascinating mysteries behind them that I, I can't wait to see unfold. Uh-huh. Um, and we've already got a little bit of Masato's, yeah. which I really liked. Yeah. That angel that looks just like an Eva. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no. There's there's a whole lot more that we could get into here, uh, and there's a lot that I want to say because I, I mentioned a few critiques. I'll, I'll try to keep my rambling short because I feel like uh, I am rambling a little bit more this this episode <laughs> than normal. But <laughs> first off, yeah, we mentioned the first couple of episodes, and man, like those first couple of episodes just show how cinematic this series is. I love uh, the world building with details like the elevator that's made for cars that they ride yes. in the first episode. So cool. Um, there's really also an emphasis placed on Shinji's feelings and the tone is, is built to reflect that there's these pillow shots that have no purpose. Really? They just kind of establish the setting and the feeling of a scene um, that are awesome. Like they, they, they create this reflective feeling that we know that Shinji is experiencing. 
And you know I love those sun- sunset shots in episode two, oh, Alex, but they didn't make my, oh, that's a good still award. I had to give them a quick <laughs> shout out. <laughs> uh, and then you're right. Like you mentioned like the mystery uh, earlier, kind of like the geopolitical thriller sci-fi element that hooks me in. Like what's going on here at Nerve exactly? Who's on whose side? The characters mm-hmm. just keep keep getting layers added to them as well, uh, which I know we'll talk about shortly in our Coolest Character Award. And then you get episodes like episode 10. Uh, episode 10 is the one where uh, Asuke, I think you said it right. I think I said it wrong originally. Asuka. Um, yeah, Asuka. Yeah, maybe. Um, she has to go battle the, well, she goes to try to retrieve the angel that's in the lava. Yes. And it comes alive. That just awesome. made me very anxious. Like, think about an under lava battle where literally <laughs> it just feels mm-hmm. it feels like the stakes are raised times 10. I, I just felt anxious for her in that episode. Uh, and of course, Shinji, you know, puts himself in harm's way to save her, which she has to save him back later on. She reminded me, by the yes. way, of the the girl from Psycho Gorman. Uh, <laughs> I could see you being annoying oh. with her as a character, which I get. Like yeah. she is, she can't be annoying for sure. She's just so mean. Like, <laughs> she's just so mean. It is an, it is annoying because she's so arrogant and brash. And we do get hints that there's more to the character, but yeah, I do hope. I can't remember what I remember her being this way the whole time. Yeah. So I'm excited to see if there is more to it because I can't remember. Yeah, dude, I, I honestly, I told you I remember some of the feelings, but I don't know where the show's heading. I, I remember the last two episodes being weird Hard and wacky, forget. but I don't remember how we get there. I have no idea. So I'm excited. Yeah. Um, you mentioned. That's all right. I don't think Hideaki Anno knows how he got to the last two episodes. <laughs> and so that's why he did the rebuild series, right? <laughs> but it, partially. I mean, really, the last two episodes, he just ran out of money. Yeah. But right. yeah. we'll talk about it next week. But yeah. And, and lastly, you mentioned some of uh, like Shinji's story. And I think a major theme that stood out for me so far was just parenthood in general. Franz mm-hmm. Kafka and Sigmund Freud would definitely be proud of these complex parental relationships <laughs> highlighted in this series. I mean, we have just, we've got, you know, mothers, we've got fathers, we've got these very strained relationships, and then we've got people that just don't have parents, right? Or like, their parents are not even in the picture. And you know, that certainly mm-hmm. affects them. You've got parent figures, you've got mentors, it's really interesting how these relationships play out with each other. You've got um, computer moms. <laughs> you've you've <laughs> definitely have some inappropriate relationships. Well, oh, yeah. at least one sided inappropriate relationships. I don't know where, for example, Ray. I know we know Ray has feelings for Shinji's father. Um, we don't know how Shinji's father views Ray at this point, but we know that Ray has like a pretty much like a major crush slash like just admires Shinji's dad. She, right. Yeah, I, I've interpreted as admires. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think you could look at it either way. And I will say there's an, there's a, that shot where Shinji is looking out um, at after she, after he finds out that he saved her by opening the hatch yeah. and all that stuff and burned himself, yeah. he sees them smiling at each other. Yeah. Um, 
do you think that was actually happening or do you think that is what Shinji perceived that moment to be between them? Uh, I think, I think it was actually happening. Um, I think you can perceive that however you want as far as like, I don't know if I don't know how Shinji's father. I, I can't even remember his name at this at this point. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll just call him Shinji's, Shinji's dad. dad. Uh, <laughs> ominous dad. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how ominous dad feels towards Ray, but I I feel like Ray has this sort of admiring crush on him, which is I, I don't like. I don't judge her at all for that. I, I think that's probably a perfectly natural thing for oh, you know yeah. like. Like it just happens. I would judge him 100% if it was the other way around. Yes. You know what I'm saying? So I'm curious yes. if it is and if there's any sort of like grooming taking place because, yeah, that would obviously be really messed we'll up. We'll have more <laughs> answers. We'll have more answers next week. Okay, Eric. cool, cool. Sounds good. Sounds good. <laughs> uh, yeah, and it'll be interesting to see if that is the case, what the show is saying about that. Because it's one thing for the show to be presenting that in a positive way. It's another thing to be showing the dangers of that and the follies of that, right? Um, yes. And so it'll be interesting moving forward. Yes, definitely. Thanks to definitely. look for. Well, hey, before we get into our awards, real quick, MVM Plus today, Alex, we are in our anime series. So, of course, we dove back into anime. Um, <laughs> and we talked a little bit DBZ, My Hero Academia. You talked about uh, what movies you're going to go watch this weekend. They sounded interesting. Uh, yeah, it's a wide array. Yeah, you really were sold whenever I told you to go watch Green Knight. <laughs> well, I said I wanted to see Green Knight, and then you said, "Oh, really? You want to see Green Knight?" And you're talking about how how how, how it looks it's not good, my type and then of you movie. decided I don't want to watch it anymore. Yeah, yep. exactly. Yep. And then we end up talking about LeBron James's head. Uh, and that's how we end the episode. So if, and how it's gone missing. <laughs> and if, so if that's if that's if you're interested in that, uh, you can find that over at patreon.com uh, slash MVM pod. Uh, let's go into our awards, though, Alex. Coolest character award. Who'd you have? Um, I had. It's all Oscar. <laughs> you had who? No. Oscar. No, you did. <laughs> no, I did. I had Oscar. No, because see, I, the the real coolest character is Misato, uh-huh. but you already had picked her. Well, we'll so I'm not going to go it. with Misato. No, we'll but you know who it. I am going to go with. Okay, let's talk about this. Let's talk about we don't. We haven't get. We haven't. We haven't given. We her haven't any, shined a yeah, light on exactly. Her, so so it, it might be time. Both of our coolest characters are Masato. You can. Your, your coolest character is Captain Masato, and mine is Major Masato. There we go. Oh yep. mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, yours is a little colder. Mine's a little warmer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I honestly think she's an awesome character so far. Um, yes, because she just has layers, right? Um, you're, you're thinking to yourself, she's she's like drinking beer for breakfast, and you're like, <laughs> holy cow, this person is like this alcoholic, like crazy person, and then you start to like hear her story and what she's all about and how she's about getting revenge on the angels, but how that revenge on the angels might actually just be going back to that theme, Alex revenge on her father. So, so interesting, Mm. right? Yes, (laughs) it is. It's it's so interesting. And it's just like, you don't, you feel like, you know, the character one way 
And then there's a line, like a single line, and you're suddenly like, I don't know if I know her at all, yeah. <laughs> right? Like when she starts taking care of Shinji, like things are going well for a couple episodes, and then she has this line where she says, uh, "It's part of the job." Yeah, and then Shinji goes, "It's part of the job," and like even he's second guessing, like, yeah, if she really like cares, right? And if this is really her. Mm. And then it's it's brushed aside and it's not mentioned again. But we see these moments where she makes these com- comments or when she's doing her job. And it's like, does she care about people? Because she's totally willing to kill everybody. Yeah, that was a creepy moment. In the area. That was a creepy moment. For sure. Yeah. And it's really cool. Like, and she gets <laughs> I mean, away with creepy. it. Like, she gets away with it, mm-hmm. too. You know? It's like, she's a flawed character, right? She is... um she has her flaws yeah um she's putting all these kids at risk right um Mm -hmm. and it seems like she has no problem doing it but then i think she does but then it's really hard to tell sometimes and then she gets away with it and gets congratulated for it right yes like like there's when they're saving the there's that really awesome moment where the three of them like unite to stop the falling yep. angel. And she says like offhandedly, like, Oh, they'll be fine. They're, they're in the safest place. And Eva is the safest place in the world. Right. Right. And, and that, that, that they, the AT field would protect them. Even if they're, if, even if their Ava's got like decimated yep. by this thing, but it's like, would they yeah. first off? And I like, do you really know that? Or are you just telling yourself that to make feel better about what you're doing? Because, but most for the most part, like she even has that line where she has the MT mind ready to kill everyone in the area mm-hmm. if things go south with the Evas when they're rescuing or when they're trying to capture that angel. Yeah, I I really like the moment where is is Ritsuko? Is she the scientist? I think so. I think yeah. so too. <laughs> the blonde scientist woman. Yes. Yeah. Ritsuko is defending Nerve from like the government, basically. Uh, you remember the scene, and she's yes. she's defending them um, and like their methods of using humans. And uh, mm. Masato is just sitting there silently, like wishing for this to be over, you know. And it's like seems like she's like, why is why is she even talking? And then it cuts to the scene. And it cuts to the next scene, and Masato is like kicking in a locker she's so mad you know um Mm -hmm. about what what the government guy i can't remember his name was saying (laughs) and uh of course uh ritsuko is completely calm about it right and doesn't even care it doesn't face her at all but masato is like the really angry one uh in that moment which i just found very interesting of course then she uh risked herself being that human to stop the non-human AI-driven creature, right? Oh yeah. So that was that was really cool. Um, a, another really cool moment for Masato there, where we find out that's another episode where like things are not quite what they seem because then Masato stops it, but does she really stop it? Because she finds out like someone had set this up all along, and then of course we get the cut to. Um, the commander, ominous dad, and uh, Ritsuko saying she was the only thing that got in our way. Yes, it's like what? Yes, that was <laughs> really, really 
cool. I love that that revelation because I was thinking like, oh, that doesn't that it didn't feel like Misato had solved the problem, right? Right. And then it turns out she didn't. Mm-mm. And I really like that they did the reveal yeah. of that. I think they could have waited a few episodes, maybe, but very yeah, because we haven't heard anything else about that. Yes, since. but the episode was that. That's one of my. That was, that was a really good episode. Yeah, for sure. What about your uh, most memorable line award? Um, mine was one that I already kind of talked about a little bit, but good work, Shinji. That his dad, when Shinji's dad says that over the speakerphone while he's like up where the second impact happened yeah. and he's marveling at how wonderful it is that there's nothing alive there um, and totally not ominous at all. Uh, yeah. um, <laughs> but he says, good work, Shinji. And I just like how a compliment just feels like it has such ominous implications. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that's really good. Uh, that was an important line for sure. Uh, mine is from Ray Ayunami uh, in episode 11. This is, of course, the line that I would choose, Alex. This is, of course, it is. But this is a good line. It like, is a great I really line. like this one. <laughs> uh, you know, the lights come back on in Tokyo 3, and she says, Man fears the darkness, and so it scrapes away at his edges with, with fire. Right. I was like, oh, so good. So good. And then, of course, uh, Asuka r- responds, ooh, so philosophical. <laughs> uh, which I thought was funny. But no, it's a great line that I think has implications for maybe what what Nerve is trying to do here as a whole. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's a really cool line. She She has – she doesn't talk much. Ray doesn't. But when she does, it always has impact, uh, which I like about her character. Yeah, she's just so strange. I can't <laughs> wait to find out more. Yeah, for sure. I uh, only remember some of them. <laughs> what about your Can't Believe That Voice Acting Award? Uh, I've got to give it, you know, we've already talked a lot about her, but Misato. Uh, Carrie Karanen <laughs> does the, she does the, this dub of her. And while I was thrown off, like I didn't mention this at the beginning, like I started listening to this and I went and found my DVDs because I was like, this isn't right. Yeah. This isn't right at all. And so I put those in. I started watching them. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to look up why they redubbed it. Mm-hmm. And what I ended up falling into was that this is a more accurate, the Netflix version is more accurate interpretation of what was said yeah. in the anime. And I was like, oh, well, this sounds like a better version, even though it's not the one that a lot of people refer to as like the greatest thing since sliced bread. Right. And I was like, that's fine. I, I want a more accurate interpretation because there are, there are for a fact things at the end of this mm-hmm. series that are misinterpreted and mean completely different things. Yeah. And they always bothered me. So, I'm hoping this fixes that for me, but she does a great job with this character. She keeps a lot of the liveliness of the character and the seriousness. Yeah. I actually think she does a better job overall. Yeah. There is a lot of controversy about the stuff. Alex, I looked <laughs> yes, up there like <laughs> there's a ton of controversy about redubbing this show and I don't want to get into it. But, but, no, but here's the thing. Here's the thing about the dub, Alex. I never watched the dub before. Um, oh, I really? always watch the subs. Yeah. We watch the subs. Like my brother and I thought the dub sounded dumb. 
<laughs> wow. And, I mean, that's coming from like a 16 and, you know, 12-year-old. <laughs> wow. We were like, yeah, these dubs, uh, they just don't sound quite right. So, we watched the subs. This time, though, I did watch the dubs, actually, Alex, uh, because I did go back and forth a little bit, and I was impressed by the dubs. Um, and specifically, my Can't Believe That Voice Acting Award goes to Shinji's English dub actor, and that was Casey Mongilo. It sounds exactly like the Japanese. It's, it's eerie. It sounds exactly like the original Japanese Shinji. Really? really? Yeah, it's really impressive. Um, I'm like, holy cow. Like, did they get the same person? No, it's just really well done. Um, yeah, so I was impressed by that that performance. And the dub overall, I was impressed by. But some people will not be a fan because they are attached to that original dub, which I get. I get right. Like that's if that's what yeah. you're used to. You've seen it multiple times. I get it. Um, but no, I did watch the dub. And I thought it was well done this time. Yeah, yeah. I, I was impressed, especially when I heard everyone bashing it when it first came out. Like everyone loves to do. Everyone loves to bash things. But I can also understand, like you know, I can also understand people having that attachment to that thing that they held dear. Yeah. And them just changing it. But it's like, that still exists. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, that's still out there. Is it expensive? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I'm wondering, it's going to be, you know, what's going to be weird, though, hmm. is, and I could be incorrect, but we're going to be going from this. I don't, I think they re- re-dubbed End of Evangelion as well. Interesting. I'm hoping they did, yeah. because that's one of my gripes with the very end of that. And then. Rebuild. And then. But I don't think they. I, I think, think rebuild the, use the original. Yeah, me too. Me too. So that will be interesting for sure. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Okay. What about your uh, standout animated sequence? Here? So there are so many different action shots here and action sequences that you could choose any of them. They're really cool. Um, I'm going to go with a simple, understated moment actually from the very first episode. I mentioned how cinematic it feels, and this is one of those moments. They're in the elevator and Shinji is just like, what is going on at this moment? And you've got Masato and um, Rusuko having this conversation and Shinji is like shadowed out and they're all kind of shadowy and the, the conversation is just happening and Shinji is just standing there listening and you're confused and Shinji's confused and it's uncomfortable because you're in Shinji's shoes in that moment. Um, moments like that make this series stand out to me um, because they're purposeful, mm-hmm. they're meaningful, and they reflect, the tone reflects how the characters are feeling, which I always appreciate. What about you, yeah. man? Yeah, that's really good. Mine's kind of like the flip side, yeah. or like completely different from yours, right? Mine is the Berserk Ava from episode two when Shinji goes berserk. Oh, man, I almost chose because that. so it's first off it's animated incredibly well yeah right it's it's probably animated the only thing that probably rivals it in terms of animation quality is when all three of them are saving the earth from the falling angel because we see that animation of it of uh, all of them running and stuff it's done really well but this is like the most complex for sure and when it goes berserk and its mouth opens up mm-hmm. and 
everything that it entails, it's like there's something really sinister about these things. Yeah. But of all, but at this point in the series, I've almost forgotten about how sinister they are. Yeah. Right. Because we were presented with a lot of mysteries with these things. Mm-hmm. We see the eyes. Oh man. That it has actual eyes, and that its mouth opens up, and it's like not this like robot thing. Mm-hmm. Like we I've kind of forgotten that it's not this robot thing mm-hmm. at this point because we haven't seen the the monster underneath in quite some time since that first two or three episodes. And I'm excited to revisit it. Yeah. I think that berserk Ava scene is episode three, Alex, but no, but no, it's the, I thought it was the end of episode two. Is it episode three? Uh, I think, see, I thought episode two, he was laying in four. See, I thought it was episode two. He's laying in the bed. He's laying in his bed, looking at the ceiling. Oh, and then then it it flashes back back to to that. Yeah. Oh, uh, you, you, I think you're right. You think, yeah, you're right. You're right. That is awesome. See, there's so many standout scenes. My scene is a different standout scene from episode three. Uh, or another, another thing that I remember is from episode three. Uh, when, when Shinji goes against orders and just goes like oh, insane, yeah. that's, mm-hmm. that's a standout. He goes berserk again. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that's the one I was thinking about. They're both are great. But yeah, man, you, you're talking about, maybe nothing can match that animated sequence there uh, as far as action, but you've also got like the introduction of unit two where that Ava's jumping from ship to ship. It's so cool. Yeah. You've got the sync sequence between um, Shinji and Asuka, right? (laughs) Um, Where their two Ava's are synced together fighting. That's another awesome scene, right? There, there are several moments like that that are just standouts, like they're standout action scenes. Um, so I think there are plenty to choose from here, but mm. what about your can't believe that still award, Alex, you, you and me, this is a rarity. Normally I would have picked something else uh-huh. like, like we usually do, but you and me picked the exact same thing. I think <laughs> and it is, it did, did we pick episode 12 uh-huh. where, they're the three of them from the yeah, behind. Yeah, they're in the elevator, yeah. and then there's the reveal of the three Avas oh, so cool. in front of them. Yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, so- yeah. Uh, that is the exact one that I chose as well. It's it. I chose an elevator scene for my standout sequence, but I had to go with the elevator still for my can't believe that still because it's so good. <laughs> it is so good. Yeah. So you it got the so three good. of them. Once again, they're kind of talking in the shadows, right? And, and we see their mm-hmm. the backs of them and their silhouettes. And then all of a sudden the light comes into view and their three Avas are side by side there and they're about to go fight um, kind of in a mission that could lead to their deaths together, but that's not on the forefront of their mind, right? It's really mm-hmm. interesting and, and such a great animated still. Uh, the well, art it's is just, great. It's the teamwork, yeah. like right? It's like they feel like a real team here. We get that sound effect too, if I'm remembering right. They're, you know, it's, kind of like the muffled elevator uh-huh. that's going fast and then when it does that reveal it, it goes in the open air yep. area and you just get that 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 sound of like a, almost like a Russian car going by yep. and it's just uh, <laughs> it's awesome yeah it's, it's really awesome, cool yeah that's funny yeah that's funny that out of 13 episodes we had the same one really cool <laughs> um, bonus award real quick Alex what was your uh, best episode award for these first 13 <sighs> I'm going to give it to one that is actually like not really that action heavy, but it really does a lot of, it blows open what this show is kind of going to be about. And that's 
episode seven, a human work. And that's the one with the robot that goes rogue. Mm-hmm. And Masato has to go in and stuff because I like that it blows open all these geopolitical, like sabotage. And like, there's a lot more than meets the eye going on yeah. here. And I just really like that. And it's kind of funny because I've, I've talked so much about the Shinzi, Shinji story. Yeah. but And this probably has him in it the least <laughs> compared to everything else. But this one is just so cool because of like... Implications. Uh, all the other implications. Yeah. Uh, I just mentioned mine a little bit ago. Uh, I jumped the gun. Episode three is my standout episode uh, for these first 13. That's to me is like the hook episode, right? If yeah. episode three can't hook you then this this may not be the series for you. And it's the episode where Shinji goes against orders to pull back in order to fight through in his anger. And it's like his anxiety reaches this point. His sadness reaches this point where he lashes out, right? The sad turns into mad and then he goes berserk, right? He goes berserk in uh, sync with his Ava. And I thought that was that yeah. was really interesting uh, and well done. And it shows a different side of Shinji. Like, if you thought you knew what you could expect from this character, you can't, right? Uh, there's something slightly unhinged about him that makes him interesting. So episode three was mm-hmm. a definite standout for me. It's that hook episode. Yeah, if, if, you, didn't ma- if you didn't make it to episode three, uh, give it to episode three. And if that doesn't hook you, well, then this may not be the right show. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I would agree. I just love that he goes out of his way to save the kids that just beat him up. Yeah, oh yeah. Or the kids yeah. that beat Isn't him up. Yeah, isn't that awesome? Um, and of course they become friends. <laughs> yes, which is really cool. And I like their presence. And again, they're part of that support network yeah. for him. That's just It just keeps building for him. Mm-hmm. And then to see him in episode 12 pick the wrong person to put his faith in. It's like, oof. The wrong person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But the person that is most natural, right, to put your yes, faith in. The right? person that is like it, it, you are biologically engineered to put your faith in. Right. Um, yeah, it's tricky. It's tricky. Uh, well, it let's is. let's go ahead and do our final thoughts here. Uh, I'm not going to do my rating and ranking yet, but I'll just go ahead and say I understand some of the critiques that we've mentioned here. But ultimately, I think these first 13 episodes of Neon Genesis Evangelion have me intrigued and curious we have a lot left uh we have a controversial ending you said there's a controversial episode coming up i'm probably going to watch that right after we finish recording Uh, i'm curious now and i will wait on rating this until next week as i said but for now i've liked it a lot so far yeah i'm the same i'm not gonna rate or rank anything but i'm really digging this more than i did the first time i saw it yeah and you know, th- this show is mostly loved or hated because of its ending. And I totally get it. It's going to be interesting to see how I feel. Uh, but I'm so into this that yeah, as soon as we get done recording, I'm diving back in. Yeah, yeah. I think I'll do the same. <laughs> we won't save it until the last day this time, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I have three episodes to watch. Before, right before the yeah, uh, lots of cramming lately. Uh, <laughs> busy, busy times. Yeah, yeah, busy. Uh, yeah, no, it's interesting. Going back to the beginning, Alex, that you said you watched this probably for the first time about eight years ago. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I had probably I 
at that point, I had probably mentioned it to you at some point and had known that you hadn't seen it. So it's interesting. I just don't remember. I have a terrible memory at that of of the past. Yeah. I, I can't remember anything, man. Well, what, what I'm movie sure did we you watch probably last recommend. Week? I, don't I don't. I I know you recommended it. I know that just the internet in general at the time had recommended it. I think. It, you know, it's just one of these things that you see people reference in terms of influence yeah. a lot. Yeah. But to be fair, I let I let it overhype me mm. previously, and I so you, I, 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 I finished really it. I was like, this. "Yeah, I liked it." Yeah. And I li- I really enjoyed reading about the ending, like because it's so fascinating. Yeah. Um, but I didn't know how I felt about it, and so I deemed it overrated. Uh, and I'll be I'm I'm really we'll interested see. to see how I feel yeah, we'll this see. time. Uh, it definitely has one of my favorite opening themes of all time. I will say that. I love the it opening It feels theme. so unfitting for the show. Oh, you don't like I'm it? I'm going to be real. Oh, I love it. I don't, it's not that I dislike it. I just, it doesn't feel like it goes with the show. That's that's all I'm saying. I don't dislike it. It's just, it feels off. It does. In a, in a sort of, uh, yeah, I don't know. And that might be nostalgia talking. I don't know. I just, I just, uh it gets me right into the Evangelion mindset whenever I hear that okay. song. So I might sit through it. I've actually skipped it every time. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. All right. As always, you can follow us on social media, uh, on Twitter and Instagram at NVM underscore pod. On Letterboxd, we're Alex Cornette and Eric Neely. You can email us, nvmpod at gmail.com, or leave us feedback at nvmpod.com. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash mvmpod and receive weekly bonus off-the-cuff episodes. And if you feel so led, leave us a review on iTunes. We'll read it right here on the show. Monsters vs. Men is produced by Alex Cornett. Executive producers are Kevin Alexander, Faye Basier, and Michael Herndon. Special thanks to our wives, comma, rock band for PlayStation 3, Senior Honda, Jude the Collector, our Instagram connector, and you, the listener, for listening. Until next week. Try, Try to, to stay, stay alive. alive. Evangelion. Is it Evangelion or Evangelion, Alex? I've always said Evangelion. 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 Yeah. Good lord. Like, now I'm now I can't even get it out. Now you've got me going. No, but yeah. I always I always say Neon Genesis Evangelion. Gelion. Yeah, Gelion. Neon Genesis Evangelion. <laughs> Gelion. Yeah. Because it's an Eva. Uh, it's an Eva, so Evangelion. Well, it is Eva, but in It's the not ne- Evangelion. It's like, you know, no, your, your friend Evan. But you're right. You're right. <laughs>